0: Welcome to Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. Claudio and Steve will share their business and life experience to help you grow your business and improve your life. Here's Claudio and Steve. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. I'm Claudio Relsano. And I'm Steve Mancini. We have a very, very special guest today, someone who I care for a ton, someone who's had a ton of impact in my life, even though every time I talk to him, he wants to hit me. He is one of boxing's biggest punchers in the history of the game. He's an iconic boxer. Everybody knows about his big fights against Ken Norton and Larry Holmes. 28 wins, 24 knockouts. Uh, Everywhere he goes, people love him. And uh, and I'm excited to have him on our show. He never says no to me. and, And again, I just appreciate him so much. And that is the legendary Mr. Jerry Cooney. Jerry, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Yeah, I don't really feel like talking to you at this particular time.
0: <laughs> you never but you you haven't said you want to hit me yet.
1: Here you go it's coming.
0: I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Jerry, you, you know, good? like I said, we we we've everybody knows about your boxing career, but uh, we want to talk about again maybe towards the end of your career, your transition, your life after that. So let's start off Joe Namath, a friend of yours who you've played golf with many times once said when he was with the LA Rams, I don't belong here anymore. It's time for me to retire. Did you ever have one of those moments?
1: Well, Claudia, listen, here's a story. Like with athletes, the biggest thing that you lose, that you miss is for me, when they knock on your door and they open the door, they say, Cooney, you're next. And you kind of, you, your life is passing before you, you walk down this empty corridor and, uh, and then you see the crowd, and, and the roar of the crowd, you become alive. And that's what most athletes miss, is, is that um, that excitement of the roar of the crowd, the life, the, the heart beating, uh, and that day does come when it doesn't really work. The spark is not there anymore, and you want to keep it, but it doesn't work, so you have to turn the page and, and, and start figuring out what's next in my life. And, you know, in the fight game, it's been hard because, it's a it, you're, it's independent contractor. So, you know, when you finish in your career, your managers have have been developing other guys, and you kind of got left behind. So you kind of leave the game, feeling resentful and disappointed, and and you have to catch up and pick yourself up, dust off your pants, and move on.
0: When did you know? Because I've heard you use the phrase "rainy day." When did you start preparing? for the rainy day, financially?
1: Well, here's the story. So, you realize that in the fight game, you know, in the amateurs, you fight the next best guy. You go from the preliminaries to the quarterfinals to the semifinals to the finals. But in the pros, that's not how it goes. See, Don King owns all the heavyweights and I didn't sign with him because I didn't believe in what he was doing. And so, I was kind of kept out. And uh, I didn't get the chance to develop, really, so that, when I had the moment to really fight for the championships, I could have been really prepared. And that, and that being said, I'm not crying. You know, we had a great time. I made a lot of money. I made um, tons of friends and loved people. Uh, you know, someone was talking to me today about all the things I do, and I say that that's not anything special. That's what we're supposed to do as human beings. We're supposed to help the next guy. We're supposed to, you know, when you leave somebody – leave them a little better off than when we met with them, right? And so that's, just, that's, the, that's the gift. And we go through so many changes during that process. And, you know, you've got to realize that, you know, it was 40 years ago for me when uh, I fought Holmes. Uh, so you know, that's a long time ago. And uh, it was a great fun. We're good friends today. And we learned a lot about each other. I think that it would have been great if I could have got a second Fight with him because the fight one was that good, and I learned so much in that first fight that I could have taken that into the second fight. But hey, as it turned out, it is what it is. I got a great life, great wife, great kids, great family, uh, and so on. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. For blabbing.
0: No it's all your show and, and I'm glad that you have such a wonderful wonderful life because as I said at the beginning and all kidding aside, I think the world of you and you are a wonderful guy, Steve
2: no, actually that, was, that was a very very good answer. So you know what it kind of makes me want to ask you know when you, like you said it, there's this point where you kind of know, hey, I'm coming to the end here, you know in my career. were you thinking about the next step or were you just not there yet? You just you just weren't ready for that?
1: You, you know, you want to say, well, let me take one more fight, and then I'll figure it out. Let me take one more fight, and then I'll get the answer I need. And there is no answer like that. There is no one more fight, and there's one more game. You know, it's just it's just not really, you know, when it's not working anymore, we need to get out because in my game, you get hit with shots in the head. And if you're not, you know, got that world-class split-second reaction time, you can get hurt. And it might not hurt you right away, but down the road, you could, it can be affected by it. So we need to you know, better make those adjustments and turn the page a little quicker and move on. And one of the main things that most fighters do is they don't save their money. They think it's never going to end, but it does end. And I was really fortunate that I knew there was a rainy day coming. And the rainy day was going to hit me too, and I saved my money I kept my money uh, safe and for the most part and you know I'm doing okay today
2: now let me ask you so when you know you kind of mentioned you say hey listen there might be one more fight give me one more fight one more fight but at some point you know other people whether it's you seeing the end or other people seeing the end how did you start to filter out hey who are the people that are just coming after me because I'm you know I'm Jerry Cooney I'm, I'm successful I've got money and they're trying to lure me into these, you know, fake investments? Or who are my real friends that are going to take care of me?
1: That's a great question. And, you know, I really grew up not trusting anybody. I was taught, you know, a lot of uh, not the greatest of things. I wasn't given the, the richness that a parent should give their kids to when they push them out of their nest, they're better prepared. I didn't get any of that. My father was a a big drinker and uh, he kind of never grew up and was angry and uh, all these things that we felt the wrath of that. And I regret that very much, but I was able to, you know, make some kind of peace with it eventually down the road. Uh, You know, I also had some made some mistakes. I picked up booze myself and towards the end of my career, I really didn't train as hard as I could have to been better. And uh, I had to, you know, make peace with that. And unfortunately, I didn't get that experience from my father. I had to uh, learn that I didn't trust anybody. And and to help myself, I had to get help to put the bottle down and to stand up and look at the picture and, uh, you know, and make amends to those people I heard and to myself. And to get on with my life because I found out that life wasn't waiting for me. It wasn't, okay, let me just, no, life keeps going. And I got to jump aboard because I'm never getting that time back,
0: right? That's for sure. You know, it, it, it does go on. You know, when you said that, I remember when my mom passed October 8th, 1988, and after the viewing a couple, you know, a couple of days later for the funeral, we were driving to the cemetery. And you see people just moving on with their life. you know I said, why aren't you stopping? you know life goes on uh, that, so that's when you said that uh, uh, Jerry uh, that's um, and for a few days I didn't want to go on you know I, but but you do have to go on but let me ask you
1: Well you're lucky when you say only a few days because we get stuck yeah. in the mud and yeah. we get lost and we don't know what questions to ask or who to ask of them and it's a big long process uh, to find out. What steps are the proper steps? How do I move forward? How do I turn the page and let it go?
0: You know, for me, um, my my dream of baseball was done. I didn't care about baseball. I didn't care about goals, dreams, anything. And my dad, I'll never forget, at the funeral home, he told me, I know what you're thinking. He said, but you can't. You promised your mom that you would continue to go after this dream of you being in professional baseball. And then I'm telling you, Jerry, it was like the the, the Rocky music started playing. And I grabbed my mom's hand and I said, I, I promise you, promised me you wouldn't quit. You didn't. I promise you, I wouldn't quit and I won't. And, and thank God things went the way they did, but that I used that to motivate me to, to keep me going. So, um, yeah. you know, so thankfully. Well, yeah. well
1: that's down. a great, that's a great gift that you got. And then somewhere along the line, not even that would work because you don't have it in your heart anymore. And that's normal, part of the process, right? right? At some point, it doesn't work anymore. At some point, I have to say, well, okay, what's next? You know, wh- where am I going? You know, you know, what path can I take? And, and we have to, you know, slip up and make mistakes and ask the question. Maybe it wasn't the right question and then get the right question. And you know, there's always someone there to help us when we're ready.
2: Who, who ended up being that, when you first got out of boxing, who ended up being, I don't want to say confidant, conciliating? Who, who was the person that ended up helping you the most?
1: Um, you know, uh, you know I got, it's, it's, a, it's been a long, long road. And, you know, I, I did some therapy. I read a lot. I, uh, you know, there was a lot of uh, transforming that took place for me and, you know, how to make peace with the mistakes I made. And that, you know, I, I could have been way better a professional fighter had I had somebody in my corner that said, Hey, kid, come on, stick with me now. Let's make this, let's, let's take a shot here. I didn't have that. And I hope someday in my life that I get the opportunity to grab some kid who I see, you know, slipping up, making those mistakes, to grab them and, and try and, you know, correct that part that was not corrected in me. And I just fought with a rage, I had a rage uh you know when the when the bell rang, I had a rage about me that you know i was so uh, i felt like i was uh you know i didn't get a fair shake I, did, I i was so angry, and then when the bell rings, you know you gotta you know that guy's trying to hurt me, I gotta get him first and fortunately for me, i was a a big puncher. I didn't realize I was a puncher, so probably at the end of my career. But I I could really punch. And I, you know, I don't know if you heard George Foreman tell David Letterman. Yes, sir. He had the uh, black (laughs) eye. Yeah. Well, and anyway, but, you know, those things, you know, somehow with my higher power and the faith in God, I was able to listen to somebody. And, you know, the story is God comes to us. And if we're not ready, he goes away and comes back again. And until we are ready, it's like, you know, I have to keep the story about the guy, in the boat with God and God was steering and the guy was rowing and the guy was rowing and God was steering. The guy got tired. He said, God, God, can I steer? And God said, yes, you can, my son, but I don't row. So see, I have to do the work. Hmm. I have to accept the fact that there's work to be done and I need to polish up and clean myself up. Listen, I've been helping kids for a lot of years and I I tell them the truth and I, I I work with them in boxing and I tell them, you know, here's a story. They get to the place where they're just about shined up, they're looking pretty, and they take a rock and they throw it back in the motor to self-sabotage themselves. That's what we need to help address. We need not to stop happening because before you know it, we're 35, we're 60. You know, we have to catch on and catch up on this great life that we're given. We have to admire and appreciate who we are. No. And it took a long time for some of us to do that,
2: but let me ask you though, but you know when you look back though in your life, I think the truth is is that maybe you know you kind of brought up God, and maybe the whole purpose of the of the challenges and the path of life that you've walked are so that that next generation you can break that cycle and help these kids and you've you've been doing a lot to work with. I know you it looks like you did a lot with four or more boxers, mm-hmm. you know now you do a lot with the youth, I know you did a lot with um you know, supporting causes that were against uh, domestic violence, and and in your effectiveness in these in these groups, you wouldn't be that affected had you not lived the life that you lived. I I, I almost see that your that early brokenness ultimately leads to you being a better person, and not only that, now you're helping other people. Do you do you agree with that?
1: Well, I I like what you're saying to me, and we do lots of charities. I remember brittle bone disease. I remember. Uh, brain cancer, MS, I, all these different things that we try and, uh, as, a, as a celebrity or former celebrity, we bring attention to those causes that need so much help, you know, um, uh, and hopefully, you know, we, they can, uh, you know, raise funds to help with these different uh, illnesses that are so horrific. And, uh, you know, we can only do what we can do. And, and you know, uh, uh, you know, yeah. I loved all the help I, I can give. I once spoke to a, I used to go in prisons and speak because a lot of uh, prisoners are, you know, go to prison from drinking and drugging. They're on, they're high they're and, and I asked the warden, I said, do we ever help anybody? You know what she said to me? She said to me, if you help one person, that changes the life of so many people in the generations to come. And that's all I needed to hear. Of course I wanna help twenty. I wanna help fifty. I want all the kids I work with to get better, get well. Unfortunately, you know, you know, like for me, I was lost and uh I feel like that God came back into my life and kinda gave me uh you know, a second chance and I've been blessed to be able to spread that around. And uh it's a it's a it's a it's like magic for me. And I, you know, I had the, all these opportunities when I was younger, when I was in my career and I threw them a lot, threw a lot of them away. I didn't show up. I didn't pick up the phone. You know, I didn't make the commercial. I didn't do all these things. And they're all, uh, you know, 35 years for me being clean, it's coming back to me. I get, I'm such a lucky man and I'm grateful. And, uh, and I share that with a lot of people because it's a miracle that right? uh, you know God is good.
0: Now we were going to talk, and I'll get to my other question in a minute. But you you, you kind of brought up all the all the things that you do. Tell us about a normal day for Jerry Cooney. I, I know you do a lot of appearances, autograph shows, and golf events. But uh, tell us a lot of the, and. You, Sirius XM radio, but tell us everything that you do. I kind of already said it, but tell us some of the things no, that you, you know,
1: do. know, I'm i I am very busy. I, I'm been, I've been I was in New York City this past week, Monday and Tuesday, all day, all night. I went to uh, Connecticut for three days to give a talk and to do some different uh, uh, things. I went to Atlantic City this past weekend for three days for my. I have a radio show on Sirius XM. Channel 156 every Monday, every Friday from 12 to 2. We do a boxing program, myself and Randy Gordon. I love it because I love the game. I love to promote the game. I did some uh, fight a fight show, and I went to the Boxing Hall of Fame. In Jersey. So, yeah, we're busy all the time, and uh, I'm lucky to be busy. I like what I do. I love people afforded to give everybody a hard time. <laughs> we laugh and joke when it's over, and hopefully they have a better day, or a better week, or a better month, or maybe, you know, whatever the reason that we can pass this around to everybody, and everybody's better off because of it. Very nice, Jerry, very nice.
0: Now, uh, after you retired, tell us some of the things you were involved with business-wise to,
1: to make money. On that, uh, listen, I, I can't remember. So listen. So you know, I I was in minor league baseball. I had a few minor league baseball teams. I tried a lot. I I was in the horse business for a while. Had a great time there. It was a lot of fun being at Belmont Raceway and Saratoga and so many different places. It was great. And 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 also I, I had went to work trying to form a foundation to help fighters to assist them when they get, when they you see fighters go into the game, they're going to be the champ. Then after a while you realize, well, I can't be the champ. Maybe I could be a contender then. Okay. Well now I'm a sparring partner. And the problem with that is as time goes on, your, you, your, your skills erode. You don't have the split second timing. You can't get away from all those shots and you start getting hit with stuff. That's going to be lasting on you. And so I just trying to get this, uh, Form this um, to help these guys, you know, take aptitude tests to find out where their strengths lie, to go to school, to help with, you know, spousal uh, problems, with children, with uh, job training, all these things. But what I found out was that these guys, because it was a it was a um, independent career, no one. You know, no one wanted you to save your money. Nobody wanted to protect you, most guys anyway, because if, you're not, if you save your money, then what do you want to fight for? So they kept spending the money, keep having to go back, and make a comeback, and another comeback, and another comeback, and nothing good comes from that. So I was doing a, a fist organization. It was really helping people. It was a great thing, but the problems were so severe in these guys I mean you know uh, being respectful job you know learning what you need to do uh, medical alcohol drug abuse that it was too over oh it was too big for me and we we tried for a long time we had people coming to our charity we'd go to their charity and what was happening was that we weren't around much because we were going to charities every night mm. which is not bad but You know, we need to learn. I I often, through that process, I thought that here's a great idea. If everybody in boxing took one dollar from every ticket sold during the year and put it into a fund, everybody could be going back to school, help themselves with their marital problems, their, you know, alcohol abuse, their drug problem, whatever it is, and get back to life. But the people that are, In the fight game, they don't want nothing to do with it. And so it's really a struggle. You know, life is a struggle, right? And, you know, it's a dog-eat-dog world. And that I carry myself on a daily basis helping the next person. I still help people all the time. because it's my responsibility. It's a responsibility to all of us. Now, sometimes I'll give money to the homeless and I'll hope that they're not going to drink or hope they're not going to take drugs but that's if it's just that moment that you give somebody five bucks or ten bucks or twenty bucks for that moment they feel oh they feel good for that minute if that's all it is then that's all it is and hopefully down the road we can see that passed on somewhere right? That's it
2: that's the truth you know and, and you're kind of making me think about something you know a lot of people you say Jerry Cooney oh they can remember the boxer they don't know. I mean, unless they're involved in a lot of these people don't know this. They don't. You kind of said something key. You know, there's no desire really. They entertain me in the ring and then go away. Both from a from a spectator and the owners, the managers. You know, the promoters. It's all about, and it's every sport. It's entertain me, then go away. Right. You know, when you look back, I mean, obviously. You know, I can tell, you know, life probably wasn't the greatest growing up. You become a boxer, you're successful. But but you did something that a lot of people don't do. You kind of broke the mold. I mean, I'm guessing that you know a lot of fighters that are in, in a rough shape, not just financially, but, you know, we, you, you remember the old term punch drunk. You know, yes. Yes.
1: Yeah, a lot
2: of these guys are out there. I mean, when you look back... If you look back and you say, you know what, if I could change something, not, not even necessarily about your, your career, just in the sport in general, is there anything that if you had a magic wand you could change, what would you change?
1: Well, I think that the boxing commissions around this country, at least our, and the world, have a responsibility to sit with the fighter when he turns pro because they have to go up and sign the contract and to read with them what they're signing. That's a
2: good point.
1: So I turned professional. My father was dying. He was an abusive guy. Uh, the, uh, anyway, I don't want to go into that. Uh, I made peace of that. But, you know, like I signed a 16-year contract, not realizing that you can't sign more than a three-year contract. So in the back of my mind, I was uh, connected to these guys for 16 years. Do you understand this, how wrong this is? And it needs to be addressed, those kinds of things what people are doing. You know, There's everybody is hands-off. Nobody wants to let them know. You know, nobody goes to the gym, in my opinion, to watch these guys training. Are they boxing with little gloves? Are they getting a beating? You know, there's so much going on. that, um, And I'm sure it's in all sports. Right. But it needs to be addressed in this great sport, which people are making hundreds of millions of dollars. We talk about Tyson Fury fighting... In Ghana right now for fifty seventy five million over uh, overseas, I mean there's a lot of money in the game, and you know the rich guys don't need it, but the guys that are the sparring partners and the opponents, they struggle, and you know they have children. They want to be happy too. They deserve to be happy, and you know unfortunately, it's not that way, and it's not just in boxing. It's in all walks of life, I'm sure, but I'm so aware of it in my bit, in my world
0: you know jerry when you said that i'm sure you remember the wrestling champion bruno San Martino. for years sure. he was you know the king of the ring uh, sold out madison square garden a ton of times yeah. so he went to the promoters and told them if the preliminary fighters don't start making more money they were making 50 bucks 60 bucks he said right. they deserve to make a living. If they don't start making more money, then I'm going to ask for more money or I'm not going to show up for a card, and then they start giving those guys money. So it's, it's all sports. It's, it, the, fight really? game, the fight game seems to get the most attention on that, though, for some reason.
1: Yeah, like I don't know. I know that other football has a league and basketball has a league, so somewhat they are looked out after, I suppose. I don't really know. But I know boxing doesn't. You have to depend on your manager, and half the time, you know those guys are the crooks themselves. I mean, no offense. (laughs) I mean, I'm just speaking. You know, not everybody, not all of them, but I've seen a lot of it in my life, and I've seen these great fighters. You see them three or four years down the road, they're bitter for this great game, sure, because nobody helped them understand what was coming.
0: You know, uh, as you know, I'm involved in baseball, and I've been doing it for 40 years now. Uh, One of these days, a team's not going to want me, or I may not want it, so I'm going to have to turn the page. And I'm preparing that now. Greg Norman used to say, I want to prepare for my life when I'm no longer number one golfer in the world. And obviously, Mm -hmm. he got involved in businesses. So I'm trying to prepare for when I'm not wanted in baseball, or maybe I won't want it. That's why I'm doing shows and speaking Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. How
1: hard was that for you? In my game, I was like, you know, I was in a bad place because the press was saying, I'm not fighting this guy, I'm not fighting that guy. And I, on the other side, I'm facing Don King, who doesn't want me to develop as an athlete. So when I become the mandatory to fight Larry Holmes, I would have a better chance. Do you understand? Sure what that happened, and, and so that was like, uh, you know, and then my management, they were like, uh, didn't like King even. I don't, you know, I grew up in this abusive house, so I didn't know what was coming to go. I was in the middle all the time. And then, you know, so what do you do? You, you know, you just do the best you can. And, uh, and that's the game. And then, you know, uh, it's just, like I said, I am one of the very lucky guys. I am so lucky. I, you know, I do I have regrets? I didn't fight that. It wasn't 100 percent fighting homes. Yeah, you know it. But you know, uh, I, I I made it out.
2: Well, let me ask you you uh again it's been a long time since you've been out and you've gotten into a lot of uh, a lot of non-profit support a lot of causes mm-hmm. what are some of the businesses you're involved in now because i think people are kind of surprised like wow jerry cooney he's doing that like what are some of the things you're involved in now
1: well i mean you know basically you know i'm, I'm in uh i make appearances all the time i i am um, on the radio i'm on sirius xm radio uh and life has kind of slowed down i'm I'm always on the move. I'm always traveling somewhere. And like I said, I save, put my money aside. You know, I'm lucky. I do whatever I want to do.
2: Well, that's the that is the ultimate <laughs> that's the ultimate destin you know, destination we all want to get with retirement. I don't think I would I mean, ever want to stop. I mean, to, right. But,
1: I mean I asked my I might mean, ask my wife first. <laughs>
2: well, I mean that's the key. You don't you don't want to stop because then it's like then what? You wanna be able to kind of dictate your own terms and you've put yourself in that position and it's funny because you know what we see you know you see the news and you see all these crazy contracts that you know it's a football player baseball player and you know basketball whatever and you think oh the guy's set for life and it's like the one thing you never hear about is where are they at after they retire because they're not always all set for life to your point jerry they they blow that money and no one says whoa 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 slow down man that you know One day, you're not going to be getting that contract, and it's gone. And I think that's the other thing a lot of people don't understand. And it took me a long time to understand this is I do think a lot of athletes are overpaid. I'm being very honest. But at the same time, their shelf life is only a couple of years. So they've got to earn a lot of money in a short time, and they're done. And to your point, if they haven't saved or thought about their future and they're partying, 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 and all of a sudden now I'm 35 years old, nobody wants to sign me anymore, those contracts are gone.
1: I'm wondering about what percentage of those athletes, the wild ones, if you will, think it's never going to end. And what's the percentage-wise? How much of the guys hold on to it? And I knew that early on that uh, you you spend the first half of your life earning the money. And then you spend the second half of trying to hold on to it, right? Truth. And so, and so you, you hope that that's there. I mean, for baseball players, don't they get like a, a, a yearly expense after seven years? And I think football players do as well. There's, there's money given to them. Isn't that right? Yes, yes. And there were so guaranteed not in contracts
0: in baseball, too.
1: Right. Not in <clears> boxing. You know, uh, it's a shame in the fight game. You know, and, and also, listen, look at football players, baseball players, all athletes, soccer players, taking getting concussions, getting hit in the head. I mean, how – I mean, how uh, – you know, like um, no one's catching up about that. You know, we keep putting it off. We keep putting it off. The guy gets hurt in the ring, oh, too bad, it's too bad. You forget about it, and you're back in watching when you want – the big thing is – Talking to each other, not
2: going to each other, it's all. Well, it's a fake so, care. It's a fake concern too. They pretend like they care about these athletes, right. but at the end of the day, they don't really change anything. Because at the end, you know, the truth is, Jerry, if people people want the violence, and and if you pay somebody enough money, they're going to give you the violence. And the people that are making the most money, the owners and the promoters, they don't care. They don't care. And that the person at the time thinks, "Hey, I'm invincible." I mean, I'm going to ask you an honest question. When you were fighting, did you think you were invincible at times? Because I bet a lot of athletes
1: do. Always. Yeah, you you're never going to get it. hurt. You're you going to live forever. You have to feel that way. You have to feel that way about yourself. But I, I tell you what, I think from what I have seen is in hockey, they've kind of tempered it down a bit. Yeah. A lot, actually, which is great to see in, in one aspect. and the other aspect, we do miss that, that uh, aggression. You know what I mean? That, that's part of all of our lives. You know, we work three or four jobs a, day, a week to come home to watch that. And we want to see that someone's, you know, and that's not really right either. All
0: right. Yeah. Jerry, earlier you mentioned books that helped you. What books helped you personally and also developed your business acumen?
1: Well, I mean, I've written, I have a, a big library here. I'm just of late, uh, Drop the Rock is a great book, Drop the Back Ripple Effect. There's so many great books out there. I mean, self-help. I mean, just, you know, it's it's not that difficult to get, you know, directed in a way that best suits you. And then from there, you'll hear. I mean, it's just, it's out there. It's out there. You know, wait, someone's waiting to tell you about another book. You know, there's, uh, uh, I grew up in an alcoholic family. Al-Anon is a great book for codependent people who are going to fix everybody. Alcoholics Anonymous is a great book. Bill Wilson, uh, the story on Bill Wilson's life. Dr. Bob, who helped form Alcoholics Anonymous. There's tons of great books out there, and then of course in business, uh, broadcasting. You know, you're always good to keep trying to better yourself. And
2: you know, I wanted
1: to I wanted to do an interview on SiriusXM about 15 years ago. And I ran into Scott Cohen, and he said, how would you like to do a show? And I said, well, let me think about it. Okay, let's go. <laughs> and it's been a great ride ever since. I get to talk and read and learn about all these great fighters, their stories, and I get to, to talk about it on the, on the air and, and follow them as a fan.
0: Speaking of shows, you've been on our Boxing Authorities shows numerous times with Luther Dupree and Smoke and Jim Frazier. Both of them say uh, hello, we were nominated Great. for uh, a couple of awards, uh, which we're going to find out if we're going to win here in a couple of weeks. Just to let you know. Right. But uh, now, you wrote a book a few years ago. You and John Grady, uh, a content gentleman Jerry, a contender in the ring, a champion in recovery. Tell us a little bit about that book.
1: You know, it's a little bit about what most people didn't know what was going on, and uh, and uh, you're you're taught to keep shut, keep your mouth shut, don't tell nobody your business, don't do this. And all our lives, we grow up with it. And we're we're taught, we're beat down, not to express it, not to talk about it. And then you start fighting people. You start to be frustrated and angry. You start getting into fights. That's how I became a pride fighter. My oldest brother left the house when he was 15. And a couple years later, he wandered into a gym in Huntington Recreation. It was at Stimson Junior High School. And I got to go follow him there and watch him. I loved him. He was on his own since he was 15. And I got in the ring one day and this little tang guy, half my, well, not half my size, but, but he had six years of experience, slapped me around the gym. I threw the gloves off. I went down home and went down the basement realizing someone was going to come at me. And I went back to the gym 15 and a half years old. And I asked if I could box that kid again. And he couldn't. And I six months later, I went in. And I won the New York State Golden Gloves Championship as a, a 16-year-old kid, as a middleweight, seven fights, five knockouts. And it was uh, – they put me on the back page of the news every day. Uh, you know, I, I, I they mention me on school every morning, every afternoon. And it made me somebody. And it helped me get rid of my anger and, and exchange it for, you know – knowledge and how can I do this better but I had the gift I had, I could find the openings I created the openings with that split second time and once I saw it the next time you were going to pay and it was the greatest experience of my life and then when my friends were going away to school I wasn't going to school I had to find a wife and a house and a marriage and I turned pro and uh I signed, I signed with these two guys And the reason why I signed with them is because they signed Howard Davis, who won the gold medal in the 76 Olympics. And I would be showcased on his cards. And that's how it was for me. And uh, although scared, although scared and uh, not, who wants to train for, uh, you know, 12 months to fight Larry Holmes every day? (laughs) Or you think, well, I don't want to fight Larry Holmes. But you do it. right? And you perform. And you wait for the magic to happen when you... Turn that corner at the at the stadium, and you hear the roar of the crowd, and you become like magic.
2: Let me ask you, Jerry. What, you know, when you look back now in your life, and you start talking, especially younger folks, what's the one piece of advice you give them?
1: Follow your dream, and you know we don't know the questions all the time, but keep asking the question. Someone will be put in your life to help you move on, and if not, look for it. You know, I mean, people there's, love people. I've got, I help people every day. It's what I do best.
0: Jerry, last question. Tell us about your family, your wife and kids.
1: Oh, I have a great wife and three great kids. Uh, I'm, uh, I stayed alone for a year. I traveled, went to Africa, went to Central America. I played golf. I did all these things to learn about who I was from that household. And I was able to grow up and and I was able to, a buddy of mine got a job at this accounting firm. He called me one day when I was living in Florida, put me on the phone with this girl. And four months later, I came back to have lunch with her and we walked down the street holding hands. (laughs) And that was the greatest experience of my life. And am I perfect? Was I perfect? No. But when you have something worthwhile to work with, you develop those skills to be a better husband, a better friend, uh, you know, a better father, a better, you know. You know, it Was another big thing for me was growing up in a household where there was so much neglect and abuse that when I was growing up, I had four brothers and four bro- three brothers and two sisters, and everybody said, hey, how's Jerry, how's Jerry, how's Jerry, hey, how's Jerry? But when you grow up in a household like that and have been neglected, you don't want to keep hearing about jerry you want to keep hearing about hey michael tell me how you guys doing and unfortunately that didn't happen and i had to face the brunt of that as well and that's been a process as well
0: well jerry you know i i'm all of us are so glad that you have the life that you have you are a role Thank model you. uh for all of us you have you impact people And you're still not done. You're still touching people or still have impact on people. You're still living life. I heard you say many times, you're still growing, still want to be better. And and I try to model that myself. I never feel like I've accomplished enough. I still want to do more. And you've always been wonderful with me. And I think about you all the time. And I appreciate you more than you'll ever know. And uh, again, we appreciate you being on our show.
1: I will still fight you,
0: bro. I, I, hey, I'm down to one. I lost 40 pounds. I'm down to 160. I might be able to get away but, from you, but you'll catch me. I'd like to see hey, that listen, actually. <laughs>
1: listen, <laughs> there's, four, there's four corners. I uh, step one, you got ten feet, then five. Where are you going into that? I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> you know
0: what? Real quick, I, I showed I showed uh, uh, Steve and our, our producer Joe your your uh, your big fight against Ken Norton. And when nobody talks, everybody talks about the big punches, right? Mm-hmm. But nobody talks about that little shift you made, that little pivot you made in the corner. I mean, you had great footwork. You were very skilled. Yes, you were one of the biggest punchers of all time. But you you had some skill too, Jerry.
1: I had a lot, I had a lot of skill. And if you look at that fight, that referee let that fight oh, go on. Oh, yeah. So four, on every front page of the news <laughs> the next day of all the newspapers, it said four punches from death. I believe that. Still to this day.
0: Oh, yeah, no doubt.
1: Anyway, thank you, guys. Please send this along to me, an email or something. It was a great interview. I loved it. I will, Jerry.
0: Thank you for everything. You're the best. Continued success.
2: We appreciate your time, buddy. Thanks again. Good
1: luck, you guys. Good luck. Thank Thank you. You You too. You
0: too. Okay, everyone, as always, we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we did. Jerry's a wonderful guy. Hopefully it had impact on you. Uh, he's impacted my life for, for years. I was telling Joe uh, Hale, our producer, our producer, I remember when the fight came on against Ken Norton, May of 81, and uh, I believe it was May, yeah. And I'm, I'm waiting for the fight. I fell asleep before the fight. My parents woke me up. Hurry up, watch the fight, watch it. And Jerry just blew him out of the water. And then years later, I interviewed him for the first time on my show. That's my home office now my studio. And I said, how crazy is that? I watched that fight in this room now I'm interviewing him and now I can call him a friend. And just a, just a wonderful, wonderful guy who's, who's accomplished so much, but you, you can hear it it comes through the speakers. I'm sure that he's just a
2: good guy and uh, a kind man. Humble, Humble. Humble. confident, but humble. I love that because, because there's a difference between being that arrogant. I mean, the guy he's, he's, he has he has proven himself he has nothing more that's to prove right. that's that's confidence but he's not yeah. in your face about it. I like it no that was a really good interview i liked him i was surprised about a few things he said in a good way yeah. i mean and, and to your point you could see that talking to that guy you're going to learn something oh yeah you're going to yeah, learn something and get him. his book too but and
0: and Jerry was 6 6 i've seen him in person Jerry's a big big guy right and he could you know now they say oh, athletes are bigger so he could win. he could be a champion today trust me he could and he had, prime, to really yeah. had to the hit oh yeah
2: yeah, I, I, I'm not, I, real quick because that, that does drive me because well these guys, it's not like they were five foot two, you know, no. 140. These guys were big and strong, and when they hit, it hit. I mean, that was and, that. and to
0: not to go on a boxing tangent, but Larry Holmes with that jab would have dominated these guys today. Trust me when I tell you, they're big, but uh, they knew how to fight. They were smart and they could, and they were tough. But um, anyway, again, thank you, Jerry Cooney. And thank you to all the listeners. Please continue to listen to our show. Send us great comments and questions. And uh, tune in for more shows. And as always, thank you, Mom and Pop. Thank you for listening to Talking Business and Life with Claudio Relsano and Steve Mancini. Tune in next week for more impactful business and life experiences with Claudio and Steve.